With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, everybody? Welcome back into the Letterman Row Studios, and we have a very special guest on the other side of that screen. That is On3's Andy Staples, maybe the newest employee of On3, uh, one of the biggest acquisitions of the network so far. He's here to talk about the Buckeyes. Andy, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. I I don't know about biggest. There's some pretty big acquisitions, and it, it sounds <laughs> like there's more coming. So I don't know if I'm going to be the newest for long. Uh, you're about to release a show, Andy. Uh, Andy Staples on three, I believe, on all podcast platforms. Uh, go ahead and plug that before we get started, just so the people yes. can Yes. So our first show will record Monday, July 17th. Uh, that will be... It'll premiere on YouTube at 8 p.m. Eastern time on the On3 YouTube channel, and then it'll be uploaded to every podcast platform. So basically what we're going to have for you is a Monday through Friday show, if you're listening in podcast form. And then if you want to watch it live, which we would love if you wanted to do that and interact with the show and uh, do that Sunday through Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern time. And I'll let you know when we're actually doing it live. We're going to do that several times a week and as often as we can, because I, I like it when we can react to news as it's happening and, and people can can interact with the show. Uh, you guys have the best ideas for the show, the the listeners, the viewers. And so I'm I'm really excited about that. And you know, this is a whole different crew. This is a, a big reach that On3 has. So I'm excited to, to have some new people come to the show. Yeah, it'll be awesome. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, and uh, I'm sure the Buckeyes will be a heavy topic on there, especially as the season gets started. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A little, little angst. It, it, I don't know. I want to ask you this, Spencer, because it, it's interesting to me because going into the Peach Bowl, it felt like from the Ohio State perspective, the world was ending. They had just lost twice in a row to Michigan. Michigan's in the playoff again. They're, they're two-time defending Big Ten champs. But then Ohio State comes within a, an eyelash of beating Georgia. And I think we can probably surmise that if Ohio State had beaten Georgia, they'd be the defending national champs right now. I think they would have beaten TCU in the national title game. So where did everybody get after that? I know they don't feel like the world's ending anymore, but where where are they after that? Yeah, it's interesting because you go 0-2 with C.J. Stroud. And I think that's the yeah. big thing is like you don't just go 0 and 2 against Michigan, but you go 0 and 2 with CJ Stroud, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith, and Jibbe. Although he didn't play in the 2022 game, you're, you're 0 and 1 with Marvin Harrison, you're breaking in a new quarterback. And so the angst is still there, but I think it's a little bit of a different tenor of angst of just like, okay, where's the program going? Not just like, how do we beat Michigan here? It the, the Peach Bowl was the saving grace of this program, though, because if they don't go into the Peach Bowl, and if they don't hang with Georgia and almost beat Georgia, let's say they go back to the Rose Bowl and maybe beat Utah again. I still don't think you're as optimistic right now uh, yeah. about this program as you are, knowing that you can hang with that level of a program at Georgia, and then you take the recruiting momentum that's going on now too. So I don't know if anybody's really gone anywhere other than optimistic. I think that's probably the best yeah. way to put it, but also – there's the angst and that that's kind of why I brought you on here. It's like, we talk about Ohio state from the Ohio state perspective every day, 
but we don't get it from the national perspective, maybe as often as we should. And so maybe flipping the question right back onto you, like, yeah, where do you see the program right now because of after Georgia feels a lot different than maybe on uh, December 1st after the Michigan game. So I see it as one of the best in the country. I see it as one of the few that has the kind of talent that can win national titles and compete for national titles on a year in year out basis. They're just not putting it all together in the same way that Georgia is or that Alabama did or that Clemson did. And that's, that's the issue. And I'm not sure what the cause is. You know, I'm not sure if it's, they're just not challenged really until they get to, to the Michigan game. And so I had a, a commenter on my old show and I, I wish I had this person's real name, but the commenter's YouTube name was Ono224. Best summation of Ohio State and Michigan that I have seen. And it is basically Ohio State is built to hang 50 on Michigan State and Michigan is built to beat Ohio State. And that's the difference. But the thing is, the way Ohio State is built, it actually feels like they're built to better compete in a 12-team playoff than, say, Michigan. But, the, but in the styles make fights situation, they are not built to compete as well against Michigan in November in either Columbus or Ann Arbor. And that's that's the problem. And listen, you can say this is a national title contender, and they are. You can say that they have some of the best talent in the country, and they do. They do have to resume beating Michigan or at least make it every other year kind of thing. Or it's going to be a problem. Like I, I, yeah. I even though the format's changing, it's going to be a problem. Well, and I've even said that you might see in the future with divisions being scrapped, Ohio State may lose the last week of November to Michigan, and then beat them. The next but if time. you go into a dome and you get this yep. team on a fast track, I, I don't yep. think Michigan's winning that game, and that's not an excuse making. It's the way that these two teams are but, built. But Michigan, you know, think about think about everybody who grew up an Ohio State fan. Think about how insulting that feels to them. Well, if we get them in a dome, well, we get them in a if we get them in a controlled environment with seventy two degrees and perfect yeah. turf, then we can beat them. Like, I guarantee you that like AJ Hawk hears that and he's like, no, that, that's not supposed to be the way it is at Ohio State. Well, I think about James Laurinaitis, who's on staff. I think about Brian yeah. Hartline, who you know those guys have played in that game. Tim Hinton was the former. Uh, tight ends coach who's still a support staff member who's watched those those brutal cold Ohio State Michigan games where Ohio State you know just just body blows Michigan to death yeah and and now you look at it and the script's almost been flipped I think the 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 Michigan State and Michigan thing is is a good a good way to put it I'm glad that you brought that up I also think that it's fair for Michigan to be the Big Ten favorite while Ohio State has the better title odds which is just crazy to me but people can't wrap their brains around that. But it's it is totally a styles make fights thing. Michigan is built to beat Ohio State in November. Now, I, here's the thing about Michigan. I, I I saw that Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl put this out today, and I, I thought it was really interesting. He was putting out how many legit NFL prospects Michigan has on its offensive line, and it's more than five, which is a really good thing for a team. Their secondary is very similar. Their talent level at the period where the guys are playing, I'm not talking about when they're signing, but the talent level at the period when the, the teams are actually meeting on the field and the players are where they are, where the junior seniors feels like that gap is closed considerably that, that when Harbaugh made those staff changes, the, one, 
they started signing uh, here and there, the five-star type guys, you know, JJ McCarthy, Donovan Edwards, those guys, but also they're developing guys into NFL talent. And so when they are playing Ohio state, now they have a much closer amount to Ohio state of NFL talent when they play. And I think that's changed the dynamics of it too. It's interesting that you bring that up because one of the thoughts that I've had is the the development is where you've seen maybe the lack of head coaching experience from Ryan Day, um, whereas Jim Harbaugh has been to a Super Bowl. He won, yeah. he won, you know, games of consequence. Yeah, I mean, yeah. San Diego, like being able to win at, at all of those different stops have helped that coaching tree, and he knows who to go hire. He knows who to put around him. Whereas you know Ryan Day hired Al Washington and. And that was an okay hire, but it, it didn't work out. I think the way Ohio State kind of hoped it did. And before he moved on to Notre Dame, you go out and you have to replace Jeff Hackley, who was a great hire. You go and get Kerry Combs for round two with him. Doesn't really work out as well. Now you bring in Jim Knowles and you feel like you're back on the right track. You've got, you know, a guy who coached Sauce Gardner at Cincinnati and you're, and as your secondary coach, a guy who coached Jalen Ramsey as your cornerbacks coach. It feels like the development may pick up again, but I think that development, and that, like you talk about that gap closing, it's not in recruiting. I mean, we've we've heard that. You know, I think somebody right. uh, famous has said that stars matter. Uh, but <laughs> uh, I, I I think that that development when you bring up Ohio State and Michigan is that Jim Harbaugh is a much more experienced head coach. He knew who to hire for development. And Ryan Day, he's only been a head coach for four years. And so the, the development yeah. may not be there. But it's going to be, I think, well, as and, it's more experienced. And I, I've said that about – like I said that about Kirby Smart before he got over the hump to win his first national title. People kept comparing him to Nick Saban or comparing him to these other guys. And Kirby Smart's first year as a head coach was 2016. And so when he's you know in 2018, just getting hammered with questions about the fake punt against Alabama and the SEC title game, or in 2019, getting hammered out, how come you can never have an effective offense? How come you can't develop a quarterback? Blah, 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 blah. Well, he was a pretty young head coach. Yeah. Like, He's answered those questions now. And I think Ryan Day will get a chance to answer those questions. He's obviously had a, a really good start. I mean, most people would take that as a start to their head coaching career. But the situation he found himself in, obviously huge things were expected of him. So he's got to do that. But I, they've just got to, they got to get better defensively in terms of the big play. I was looking at some stats today before we came on. And I was fascinated by this one. So if you look at Ohio State, in terms of big plays allowed, like 10 plus yards, plays of 10 plus yards. They were one of the better teams in the country at not allowing plays of 10 plus yards. They, I think they were sixth in the country, fewest plays of 10 plus yards allowed. But they were 115th in the country in terms of fewest plays of 40 plus yards allowed. So it's not the it's not the mid-range chunks that are killing them. It is, well, it's the the Michigan game. It's those two bombs that that just killed him. Yeah, it's the fact that you know I think Cornelius they, Johnson. That's who I'm. Th I'm sorry, I'm yeah. blanking on Cornelius Johnson's name. But yeah, in the Michigan game, I think Michigan had 20 rushing yards at halftime, and it was averaging I think less than a yard a carry. And it, even in the second half, it was either one yard or 70 yards for Donovan. Yeah, it was either a two yard out for JJ McCarthy to one of his receivers, or a busted coverage 80 yard touchdown against Georgia. Kenny McIntosh had a couple of decent chunk runs, but it was largely one and two yards against a good offensive line at Georgia. Mm -hmm. And then 
uh, Arian Smith going 76 yards because Lathan Ransom falls down. And, and we remember that so well, you know, so it's, that's a great point. It's just so weird. Jim Knowles said last year, and, and this was a quote with just local media, um, that he's okay with giving up a couple of chunk plays. If that means, you know, shutting an offense down largely th- over the, the course of a game. And I think at Oklahoma state, that probably works, but at Ohio state, when you're playing in these high leverage games against the Michigans and the, and the Georgias, I don't think that that approach works. And I think he's since tinkered that. And you might see that a little differently where they don't tolerate those big plays as much this year as maybe they tried to last year. It ended up biting. Yeah. And, and I think George is another good example of this. And I, they obviously got torched against Ohio State. That's the most talent offensively that they played all season. But look at what they did against Tennessee, which really just killed every other defense they played. They kept everything in front of them. They're like, you can have eight yards. We're just not going to give you 80. And that's how you beat a team like that. And the best offenses right now are like that. And you have to be able to to bend and not break. And, you know, you may give up yards, but as long as you're not giving up those just gut punch plays that change games, I think I think that helps. And, you know, Jim Knowles is a smart guy. He's been a lot of places. He's got more talent that he's never had to work with. So that tweak that, that you're talking about, I think could be very effective for them because there, there may be times where you do give up the 10 yard play, the 15 yard play, but then that drive ends in a field goal because they couldn't string together enough of those. Yeah. And then instead of a touchdown on a 50 yard play that changes the entire look of the game. Yeah. It's, it's that it's the Notre Dame Ohio state defense against Notre Dame last year versus the Ohio state defense against Michigan and Georgia last year, just two Mm -hmm. completely different ordeals there. I, I guess that leads me into my next question for you. You know, as we just try to get a, a little bit of a national picture here about Ohio State for the for the Buckeyes fans, it's like, do you see the defense being the thing that could hold this team back, or do you think that it's lack of experience on quarter with quarterback or offensive line, or if there's one thing that you can pencil in of like, well, I I think this might hold Ohio State back this year. What is it? No, it's it's the defense. It's it's not, I'm not worried about the the offense at all. I, I'm really not. And you know, it, whether it's Kyle McCord or Devin Brown, and it certainly seems like. Kyle McCord is is the one who who they're trending toward. They've got more receivers to throw to than than anybody in the country. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy how deep they've been able to. And Heartline, like at this point, if you're a top five receiver in the country, and Brian Heartline comes to you and says, "I'd like you to come play for me," you're going to go play for him. Like there's no there's not even a debate about that. So, I think. That part is going to take care of itself. They're going to be able to move all their backs are good. The line I, I don't worry about as much because, again, they've been getting that sort of talent all along. There are very few schools that can recruit plug and play offensive line talent, NFL bodies every single year. It's really only three or four. It's it's Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, LSU does it too. That's about it. So that's why I don't worry as much about them now. Like Michigan's a different story. They, they've not necessarily gotten the highest rated recruits, but with Sharon Moore there, he's turning them into NFL yeah. guys. But Ohio State has those top end guys like Paris Johnson last year. Like when they really blossom, you're looking at a top 10 pick. Yeah. So th- that the defense is just, it's so interesting to me that, that you know, uh, if they take a step forward, you could be talking about a national title contender, but oh yeah, if they take a step forward, but the quarterback play isn't at the CJ Stroud level, I think there will still be some questions about this team. 
And so that's the funny thing. Here's the thing. If, if let's say it's Jay, you know, it doesn't matter who it is, but let's say it's McCord. Uh, and he is a few notches below CJ Stroud. If the defense is better, they're still going to beat everybody on their schedule. Now, maybe when you get to a Georgia or an Alabama, or we'll see if Clemson's in the play, somebody like that, you may need a better performance out of your quarterback, but you know, I, I think on their schedule, they can beat everybody without that quarterback having to be Superman. I, I mean, Alabama's in the same boat this year. Yeah. Alabama's got the same thing. They have talent everywhere. They have no idea what their quarterback situation is going to look like. And, but they can, they can probably still beat everybody they play. And then you see what happens if they get to the SEC championship game and see Georgia. Yeah. And, and you kind of just roll the dice from there. And I think that, that is the case for Ohio State just maybe one week earlier, just because yeah. of, of of the Michigan thing. Uh, last thing before I let you before I let you get out of here, uh, we've talked about Ohio State and Michigan a lot. Uh, the Buckeyes go on the road in November. We never stop talking about that game in Columbus. Uh, it's just it's a rite of passage we have to uh, and we like to. Uh, it, it's interesting to me that oh, Michigan is is already favored. Um, we, we know what the talent looks like, but we don't know what the quarterback situation looks like for Ohio State. We know what the talent looks like at Michigan. We, that's very defined. Like just a, a few months out, early Ohio State versus Michigan. Like what are your thoughts on that in July? Because we have to give thoughts in July, not just the week before the game starts. I, I would like to see them play once or twice before I come up with, yeah. with a definitive line on the game. But, you know, it – it's, it comes down to the same, all this stuff we've been talking about. You su- you subtract two or three big plays from that game for Michigan's offense, and Ohio State wins that game. That is what they have to do. Yeah. I, I have not worried about Ohio State moving the ball against anybody. I, I think they're going to be capable of moving the ball against everybody. What I'm worried about is somebody just torching them one day. And, and look, you know, that that's not just unique to Ryan Day's teams. Urban's teams had days like that too, like the Purdue game a few years ago, where it's just like, where did this come from? Like, so there haven't been, it it actually feels like there haven't been as many of those in the Ryan Day era. It's been, you know, against Michigan that that's happened, or it's been in the playoff. And so there, there haven't been the just head scratcher, what happened here situations, but that, yeah, if they, if they could just reduce the oh my god everything just changed plays i think they're very capable of beating michigan i i you know and michigan's going to try to beat them up one thing i thought michigan did really well in that game last year it wasn't just the big plays they were wearing ohio state down you talk about how how little they could gain in the first half like the the long edwards run even if he hadn't busted that one if you look at the runs around it and and kind of the way it was trending it might have been five yards, eight yards, seven yards, you know, down the field at that point because they had just gassed Ohio State's defense. But again, if they can just tighten that up a little bit, get off the field when they when their offense is is clicking, build a lead, force teams to play like you force Michigan to play from from behind two touchdowns. That's going to be very difficult for them to overcome. And that's what they, they just let them stay too close. And again, it's, it's a, 
tackling at the end of the season, toughness at the end of the season, that it, it feels almost like what we talk about with USC and, and the, the Lincoln Riley, Oklahoma teams. Like it's not that bad defensively, not like say like the 2018 Oklahoma defense. That was horrific, but it's, it, it feels like it's, it's just the one thing holding them back. Cause every, they have the, they have the offense, they have the, the coaching on the offense, the play calling, they have the personnel on both sides of the ball. They have the special teams play. Like they have everything else. Yeah. I just, I just remember last year, you know, it, it's 10, it's seven to three and Ohio state has the ball and kicks a field goal to make it 10 to three. And then you give up the big play and it's 10 to 10 instead of 14 to three, you've got a chance exactly. to make it 24 to 10. And instead of doing that, uh, you make it, you know, you, you don't. And right. It, it's just a matter. And, and, and the Michi- Michigan, as they're currently constructed, if they're within one score of you, you got a problem. Yeah. Well, and like, Georgia almost the same way. Georgia was within two scores. Ohio State kicks a field goal on the Marvin Harrison Jr. injury yeah. drive instead of, uh, you know, getting the ball at the one yard line after a potential targeting and punching it in to go up three scores. And and you think, okay, Georgia's right back in. And so, yeah. like all of those issues on the defense, but then you you look at those these little things where the offense didn't quite do what it should have done. Yeah. And it, it caused some issues. And so, but I, listen, I, I cannot kill them. Like the offense performance in the peach bowl. They did what they, you score that many points against Georgia. Your offense has done really well. Like yeah. that's not, there's, we can nitpick, but really ultimately we should not be criticizing that. Yeah. That is a, that was a defensive lapse. One stop and Ohio state wins that game. And it's probably the national champ right now. And again, I do think these offseason conversations would be very different if that's the case. And I think that's probably what drives the folks watching this video. The most insane is knowing one stop away from a national championship. And uh, yeah, it might even hurt a little bit more than 2019 and 2015 when when they were a couple of 50-50 calls against Clemson from being from playing against right. LSU 2015. You're a uh, few Zeke Elliott carries away from being in the playoff and maybe being back to back. Wait, wait, wait. He, oh, he was on the team in the second half of the Michigan state game that year. I'll have to check. I mean, I know he did an interview after the game, but <laughs> it seemed like they forgot he was there. So just making sure. Yeah. Then we wouldn't have had to watch Michigan state against Alabama in the 2015 college. Whoa. Well, I, I covered the Michigan Ohio state game the following week where they actually seemed like they took Zeke's advice yeah. <laughs> and things things looked a little different. So, yeah, that was, that was not a good time for Michigan. The last two years have been a good time for Michigan, Ohio state trying to get back on the other side of that rivalry. A lot of good conversation here, Andy, uh, just, just fun to hear, you know, an opinion outside of Columbus, just because these fans, they hear the Ohio state side of it just so much. And, and, and we got to not really a reality check, but just see what the outside has. To say. Well, I feel like I'm a little bit different though, in, in terms of the most national people when it comes to how they feel on this. And because I, I'm not going to say, don't be upset about losing to Michigan two years in a row. Like yeah. I get you're upset and I know why, and I understand it. And I, I've dealt with enough really good programs over the years that like the expectation should be different at a place. That's always really good. Like there's nothing wrong with that. They've they've done they've done a great job creating a program that deserves to have these expectations. So it's up to the people who are very highly paid to make sure they meet them. Like it's not it's not wrong to hold people to a high standard when you've given them the resources to to do what they need to do. And I, I would say Ohio State's done that at every turn. 
I saw a thread from you, actually not a tweet, but a thread from you where you tweeted, you threaded a picture of Marvin Harrison Jr. as a player you excited to watch. Uh, yeah. 50 days until that happens, Andy. Uh, oh, you I get to watch wait. Marvin Harrison Jr. in 50 days. I was so I was so heartbroken when he got hurt in Peach Bowl because he was, I mean, he was having one of the best games I've ever seen anyone have. And I just, I cannot wait to see him. I want, I'm hopefully healthy for a whole season with the Mecca you know, right there. I don't know what you do if you're an opposing defensive coordinator and it's, and you don't have Georgia talent. Yeah. That's, that's probably why Ohio state is going to be in the mix again. And he might have his high school quarterback throwing to him, which makes it even more interesting if Kyle McCord that's wins right. that job. That's right. And Hey, look, I think Heisman voters wised up with Devonte Smith realizing he was the secret sauce of that Alabama team. So I think the, the seals kind of been broken on another receiver having a really good chance to win it. I think, you know, people are going into the season looking at Marvin Harrison Jr. as the best player on that Ohio State offense and and maybe the best overall player in the country. Yeah, with Caleb Williams winning it last year, it's hard to see him winning it a second time. And so that kind of opens the door again for Marvin. Yeah, uh, I mean, Caleb, Caleb's got everything you want, but I we're going to nitpick Caleb Williams to death. Yeah. Like Caleb Williams is awesome. I bet he could have a better season than last year. And maybe not win it because he's got the he's got the two problems of he's one he, he's a returning Heisman Trophy winner two he's the presumed number one pick in the NFL draft so that group the draft Knicks are just gonna be picking him apart every absolutely. single game absolutely so it'll it'll be it'll be fun to watch though because there's there's so many good like this is the the kind of thickest Heisman list going into the season that I've seen and who knows it'll probably be somebody we're not even talking about. Just beginning to scratch the surface on the preseason college football hype just surrounding the entire season. We're excited for it. Andy Staples is excited for the other side of that screen. Andy, appreciate you joining me. Thank you so much. Uh, the Letterman Row viewers are probably going to love this. Um, we're going to have to have you back on before the season starts because we got a lot more to break down with the Buckeyes. Anytime. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having. Uh, thanks for being here, Andy. Thanks for joining us, uh, Letterman Row viewers. We will see you guys back for another edition of the Offseason Report. We'll see you guys then. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.